Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are delighted to be joined by the brilliant John Bramwell. Um, the former I Am Clute frontman and chief songwriter is set to release his second solo album, The Light Fantastic, on February 23rd, and he's here today to tell us all about it. Um, John, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. How are you and whereabouts are you joining us from? Well, first of all, I'm flattered that you've asked me, um, and thanks very much uh, for, for asking. Um, I'm in Hayfield at the minute, and it's snowing. Uh, I'm here with my dog. Um, I've rented... Uh, I, I live on a, a canal boat now, oh, okay. which at this time oh. of year is... Yeah, romantic, but yeah, not great at this time of year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, no, I've rented, I've rented somewhere for two weeks uh, for band rehearsals, so we're rehearsing okay. here today. Uh, so I've taken the dog out, Henry, and uh, just waiting for everyone to arrive. Yeah, to arrive. Um, you know, it's it'd be a glamorous day. They'll all arrive. We'll go to the chippy, and then um, we'll take it from there. <laughs> so sounds lovely. And um, how how long have you been living on the canal boat? Um, I, April uh, last year, I moved in, so I've not experienced the winter. Uh, and I was gigging up until uh, December 23rd, so I wasn't back on it. But, you know, that massive heavy rain we had, mm. uh, you know, in that in during December. Yeah. Well, I didn't shut one of the windows properly on the boat whilst I was away. No. And I've returned to a swamp. Oh, no. So um, it's being, uh, it's yeah, it's a mess, so can't go on it. Oh. I mean, it... People always think the cold, you know, the canal boats, but actually it's, it's, it's not. It's the really warm in winter. But, you know, obviously, yeah, you can't let any damp in, otherwise that is a pain. So, uh, yeah. So, um, apparently, anyway, I asked a few other people, and everyone's very kind of accommodating in saying, it happens to everyone, John, it happens to everyone. Yeah. But, of course, they're all like, what a bloody idiot. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry bloody to... Uh... I'm sorry too about um about what happened there with the water yeah, getting kind of horrible. I'm kind of homeless <laughs> again. Oh no. Well, like like no I said, laughing matter. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, thank you so much for for taking the time to to speak to us. And um, you know, I've been I've been listening to the Light Fantastic for the past couple of weeks and I absolutely love it. Um and Oh, thank you. Oh no, it's it's, it's been it's been brilliant kind of hearing what you've been working on, you know, in these, you know, whatever, what is it now? Seven years between this and the, uh, the previous solo album. Um, and, and I know yeah. you've, you've described this as being the most up, uplifting collection of songs, um, of your career. And, you know, mm. I think that really is evident with every track. There's so much warmth and melody with these tracks. You know, there's, you've got the kind of four part harmonies going on. There's strings on there. It's, it's a really rich sounding record. Um, and I just wanted to get a, a bit of a sense of what inspired that, you know, that kind of uplifting nature within these songs. Was it, um, you know, was it some, was it a reflection of, you know, how you were sort of feeling at the time of making this album? Was it a reaction against anything else? I just wanted to get a little bit of a, a background, if you like, or a little bit of context for, for, for the grounding of this well, album. I think, firstly, and primarily, it's the friendship um, of the people I'm playing with. Mm. So, um, I mean, I, I know you mentioned like, I've got strings on it. I, I, there's only actually a cello, and that's Harriet Bradshaw, and yeah. she sings harmony and plays cello. There's mm. Dave Fiddler, who plays bass, guitar, and, and harmonies. 
There's Alan Lowells who plays keyboards and accordion and harmonies. Mm. Uh, and then there's Andy Fiddler, Dave's brother, who's on Cajon and drums. And he, he sings harmonies too. Mm. So there were times uh, at sound checks in the last few years where, you know, we've just sound checked the mics uh, yeah. all at once and just done the harmony singing. I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm going to put my finger in my ear or anything, but, yeah. um, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> but it was just that it was just really, I think it's for me, it's real spiritual uplift about just singing with other people and finding other harmonies. And I think that really gave me a, a big lift. Um, I wouldn't say that it's, it's been uh, for me that, that, the easiest time the last few years mm. uh, both my parents passed away and oh, sorry to hear that. kind of came to an end of a long relationship and also you know i lost most of my savings um in the with the lockdowns and stuff mm. so um it was actually music that's kind of um got me through a lot of, an awful lot of things yeah um i'm sorry to hear about you know about the loss of your parents yeah well and, i mean it's only stuff, stuff that happens to you know it happens to all of us those kind of things um I suppose I'm just trying, I'm not trying to bring up, oh, woe is me as much as, as, uh, as just really to highlight for me anyway, the, the healing power of music and the mm. spiritual uplift it can, it can, and it can get you through, especially as I say, you know, you're singing with, with people, your friends. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that, the album that I released seven years ago, the reason that's been such a big gap is because really, after all the um, ambition and pursuit of ambition that was involved with I Am Clue, I really went, just went out and gigged everywhere. I got on the phone myself and I just rung up loads of places. I played, we played some big gigs with, the, with all five of us, like Cadogan Hall and the Ritz in Manchester. But most of the time, it's just been me and one of the other, one of the other guys um, going out playing uh village halls rooms above pubs art centers theaters you know cool place cool venues like hebden bridge trades and places like that and just got on the blower myself and um luckily everyone wanted me to play wherever i rung up and luckily because of spotify i've been able to play some very out of the way places that probably people haven't heard of me Mm. but um you know, they've been able to just check it out on Spotify and go, actually, we will go along. So sometimes I play a gig and it's 50 people. Yeah. And then, you know, the next week we're at Cadogan Hall, say. And so, you know, it's um, it's been a real contrast of years. But I, I felt that, again, reconvened with something, i.e. all the people that, you know, are really my grassroots fans. Mm. And so uh, that's been, that's really given me a lift as well. And to be honest... I've not I've not felt confident enough to really put a record out in the in the into the wider world like this for a few years. Mm. And um I think I think I made the right decision because I feel in I feel strong, I feel happy. Yeah. <laughs> and well. um, you know. So I always say that with a sceptical air. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no I, 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 think that's... I think some people are often used to kind of quite heavy stuff from me, you know, quite intense things. But Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to hear that, you know, particularly after having, you know, endured, you know, some, some difficult times over the last few years as well. Um, but I mean, have you, uh, 
was there a, you know you, you said that you this first time in a few years you felt confident enough to put out um an album like this was there something in particular that that brought you that strength and that confidence that made you go actually do you know what this is the time uh this is the right batch of songs you know did was there like a defining moment that you know helped you I think a lot of things yeah decision? i think a lot of things added together um, yeah. um i um I, I mean i've already mentioned and the friendship especially you know with dave fiddler who produced it who's been an absolute rock for me um but uh, there's other things like yeah the proclaimers got in touch and i went out and went and did a national tour with them mm. uh which was just terrific um their audience just me and the guitar a lot of them didn't know the heck i was and every night it just went down great you know and uh, yeah. their audience was in every night and were listening and I had them, I had them laughing. I had them crying down. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was real showbiz stuff. Yeah. And um, and that and and re- it's yeah. There's partially confidence is back to do it, but also I really the thing is I was really enjoying the um, on the hoof way of the way I was doing things. I didn't yeah. really have a specific specific tour. I was just doing two or three gigs every week, no matter when it was. Yeah. And just, you know, so getting on the blower and booking gigs two months in advance and really get, and just kept that going then for years. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the off the hoofness of that. On the hoof, rather. Off the cuff, on the hoof, yeah. Yes. No, uh, amazing. I mean, uh, I, I wanted to, actually, you know, before we get on to the album itself, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your your relationship, your friendship with uh, Dave Fiddler. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? How long have you been, you know, sort of working together? How long has he been, you know, part of your, you know, mm. kind of life, your was, career? A, you know? Yeah, we had a strange, stra- stra- not strange, but it's kind of quite, it felt uh, significant the day we met each other, actually. Um, my girlfriend and I, my girlfriend at the time and I were driving up the M6 for me to play at a festival mm. and we stopped in the, in the fast lane. There was a traffic jam in the fast lane, but all the other lanes were still going and the car behind us stopped, but the car behind that didn't, uh, apparently he was doing like a hundred miles an hour. Mm. So he swerved to avoid the car behind us, hit the central barrier, bounced back and hit us and knocked us across the other lanes of moving traffic up onto the hard shoulder on the motorway. That so was a pretty, like, flipping heck. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a real life flash before you moment. But I don't remember, it didn't feel like that. I do remember a large lorry just kind of going, yeah, and Christ. took off the wing mirror of our car, which, you know. So we got to this festival and um, in Manchester. It's just a municipal festival in Manchester. And... Um, so, you know, well, we didn't have a car then. So, you know, what I can't remember. Oh, yeah, we got picked up by the AAA and all that kind of thing. And uh, so it was like, well, so once we got there, it's like, well, shall we have a drink or what? Yeah. Because that was pretty <laughs> mental. So we had a drink. Um, I did my show and then we decided to stay. And um, because, because it had been such a kind of crazy day, obviously the car was a write off. Mm. Um, we decided to just stay in Manchester, and so that was it. We see, we stayed for the rest of the festival, and there was this other tent. It was like a beer tent, and um, we're outside it. And uh, my stories often involve booze, don't they? I don't know why, but um, the we heard this guy playing inside me and Joe, and both were like, "Whoa, he's brilliant!" This guy, he was like playing fingerstyle 
versions of like Stone Roses and his own stuff and all kinds of stuff. But he was def- he was doing them in his own way. So um, and I just booked my first lot of gigs. I like I just mentioned, you know, the first time I'd been on the blower and gone right. Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to go to all around the country in a higgledy-piggledy fashion for the next three, four months. Mm. And I uh, went to Germany as well. So we went in and watched him, and he was great. So he came off, and uh, I, I just went straight up to him and just said, I, I, I said, uh, I don't suppose you fancy, you know, coming on tour with me, do you? Um, <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. He, <laughs> he had been to see Clute quite a few times, but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. So anyway... I said, you know, I've got five or six dates and, uh, you know, let's see how we get on. And because, um, you know, such a great guitarist and singer, I did think immediately like, well, this is somebody I could probably bounce off on, you know, mm. do songs together as well as in play support. And so, um, yeah, so initially my offer was like for five or six gigs. And I think we've done about 300 now or something. So, wow. so that's Amazing. it. We, and we're, so we're driving on the way to the first gig and didn't know each other. So um, I used, I pulled it, yeah, the, my usual wangle, I, I persuaded Dave to do the driving in his in his car, yeah. classic. <laughs> so we're driving to the first gig and we're like, you know, where are you from and all this kind of thing. Mm. And uh, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a good 15 years or maybe more younger than me, Dave. But it turns out we grew up about, I don't know, two or three hundred metres apart. Wow. Um, families, not at the same time, because I say I was old, quite a bit older than Dave. And so... It seemed it seemed with the car accident that really we both felt that we could have been killed in, and then meeting him that day purely by accident, and then it just seemed fortuitous and right. And we'd just been—I don't know—we'd just been laughing ever since. Yeah. And so Alan Lowell's as well played with us. Alan used to play with Clue as the keyboard player for live stuff, and uh, also we used his studio, Airtight Studios in Manchester for a lot of our recordings. Mm. And um, we met the big H, Harriet Bradshaw, uh, via Al, and she's just extremely funny as well, but a brilliant player. I mean, a brilliant cello player. Mm. And But, uh, you know, I'm like, you know, how long does it take you to learn to be that good? So, yeah, quite a long time. Yeah. But then she goes, yeah, but it's not my first instrument. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so she's a pianist, really, mm. but an amazing cellist. So, and um, Dave had often been playing with his brother Andy, his younger brother Andy, for years. They'd done gigs together. And so they'd always sung harmonies together. And so have an innate way of going for, going for harmonies each so if I sing a melody and Andy and Dave both go for a harmony, they both go immediately for a different one. Right, okay. And it's immediate. So it's often quite spontaneously great it, without without over-rehearsing. Yeah. Because this is it, you know, and, um, and, then, and then, you know, with Harry on the cello. So suddenly it's just this. It's, I think, I think. We played that live, Royal Northern College of Music, the Ritz, Cadogan Lake. Then we did Union Chapel a couple of times. So I'd do, I would do 40, 50 gigs solo in the year. And then at the end of the year, we'd do four or five band gigs. Yeah. You know, kind of bigger places. And so it was kind of like a special event for me and for the audience. And, and but also for me, it was like, okay, I don't do this th- that often. And, um, so I, I just, 
sometimes, I mean, in the early gigs we did together, I'd forget my lines because when people would come in, I'd find it so like, whoa, that I forget <laughs> that I'm supposed to be doing something as well. Because, you know, it wasn't like we were over-gigging it. We were mm. keeping the joy in it. We did, we did Purbeck Valley Folk Festival as well. So we've done some quite a lot, a lot of the smaller festivals, which would have been nice too. And I think we're doing mostly folk festival this year. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I can't remember what the question is, Dan, but that's the answer. <laughs> no, that was <laughs> that was great. Thank you. It, it, it was about how you and uh, Dave first kind of got to sort of know that's and work right, together yeah. and stuff. So uh, that was brilliant. Thank you. Um, and I mean, sort of coming back to to the new album, I, I wondered if you can tell us a bit about how and when it first started to come together you know were you working on songs for this record from you know the the moment you left off the previous one or did it all come together a lot more recently like that when when did it first start to kind of come together in your head and and start to actually take shape in the form of demos and recordings and stuff like that what was the journey time with it yeah i've never really um sat down and gone oh Apart from Natural History, I'm Clute's first album. I'm gone. Right. This is the song. These are the songs. This is the album. This is the feel. This is. I've never really done that. Yeah. I mean, I, we did it with Natural History because it was the first album. So, of course, you know, yeah. the material you've got is the material you've got. And that's what you're going to be recording. Um, one, the first song on the album is actually a song I wrote. Um, before my first album it's just that there are the songs that i put on this record are the ones that are the most that have suited the singing and especially harriet's cello yeah so the so at any given time i mean my phone here i've got quite a lot of ideas i've still got i've still got cassette tapes back from my you know traveling around with the walkman days that i occasionally get out because the stuff on there um, my best songs I tend to write if they come to me I just I, I write them and that's it, it they're, they're only one piece but that's not that's not all of them mm. and um, so I, I, I chose the songs that I had in my bank of songs that really worked when we all well when we all played together yeah so because so I the, that then is what gives. Because I do think an album should, ha- you know, should have a cohesive sound to it. I, I, for instance, yeah, Natural History did, mm. and Sky at Night did, and and that's, and so by choosing the songs that work best for these musicians and singers, that's what gives it its, I think, cohesiveness. Yeah, you know, and that you can tell that this is the same group of people. It's not just oh, I've got this person in for this or this person in for that. It doesn't. It's not something I want to do really. That. No. So I, you know, it's it's um it's not a very romantic answer that as in like yes I've forged in the smithy of my soul the consciousness of my race and now I'm <laughs> gathering it all together you know no I just you know, I just went right what are the best songs for this lot <laughs> yeah no that's <laughs> it's as good good a reason as any isn't it <laughs> to 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 put these songs on an quite, album pragma- I can be quite <laughs> pragmatic. Yeah, no, well I mean it, you know it makes sense it's clearly worked um, as well and. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I I was wondering if um, your has the way that you that you write kind of changed at all down the years. Is it generally just you and an acoustic guitar or something like that writing, just seeing what comes out of you? Do you 
try and adopt different, you know, I don't know, creative processes or settings to try and write? How, is, how has that kind of evolved from, you know, day dot or, or, or has it not? Or do you just kind of t- tend to approach things the same way and just see what comes out? Um, I have a really open-minded attitude to songwriting. As in, like, I don't care where it comes from as long as I get it. Yeah. Um, I think that you, I think the main thing with, with writing is like, you get this, you get the tiny germ of something that you, you think, oh, I'm not going to get it. Not, you know, but don't, you know, get it down. And uh, I mean, I've left, you know, I have left, you know, I've been out. There was, yeah, there was a family meal years ago that i had to get up and leave <laughs> no, that wasn't very popular uh, it was a birthday because i just got something popped into my head and that's it i was off and it, and you do have to be a bit like that i feel so there's the things that just come to you i think that one is i like to play guitar every day mm. i'm not necessarily writing when i do it i just like to play guitar i think it's connecting all the parts of your head that need to be to stay connected to music or if it's coming from outside, if music comes from outside, I don't know where it comes from, mm. then I'm connecting with that. So there's a bit, so very rarely do I actually sit down and go, right, I'm going to write something now. It doesn't often, sometimes, or sometimes it will start playing out. Or it can be, I wrote a really, I'm writing a really good song that came off the incidental music that was playing in the background of a podcast I was listening to. Right. Um, right. It was just a very simple chord change, but. Um, for some reason, it triggered a, a really what I think is a really great tune that came into my head that goes with it. So mm. there's that way. Um, there's there's a song on here that I wrote with Dave, which we were waiting in the wings, about to go on stage, and he was just doodling away on the guitar as a way of warming his fingers up. Mm. And I started um, just making up this stream of consciousness, and then. But we'd recorded it because we were taking our phones on stage to record the gig. So when we listened to it back, we thought, actually, this is really excellent. And um, so that, 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 so there's no, I don't have a, no, yeah. I don't think you should have a form, a format. Yeah. Uh, as I say, sometimes a song will come to you, to my mind, just like fully formed. But that, I think that's because I am kind of, there's a part of me always kind of thinking about it. I've, I've I've taken I've I've taken stuff off off written. I, I literally there's a song called The Avenue of Hope, a clue song called, and there's a great line in it. And you'll see that I can I'm allowed to say this because the line is that you like the clouds in my hometown, you just grow fat and hang around. Mm. Well, the thing is, I didn't write that. It was literally written on a toilet wall, and right. um, but I saw it and uh, I'm stood there and just started and just started singing that to that, and yeah. that's how and. And I wrote the rest of the song. Amazing. So somewhere out there is, is someone who wrote that line. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. and it's really good because everyone can get flat. You know, people like, it's a good line. That's, I said, I know it's good. It's a belter in it. No. <laughs> so, Amazing. So you, I hope I, they've I, heard I think the song. Well, it was in it was in the Temple of Convenience in Manchester. Mm. So I did, which is a bit of a musician's haunt. So I did think that one day somebody'd go, "I wrote that bloody line." Yeah. but nobody ever has so you know yeah. but yeah. i'll be inundated now after this interview yeah. <laughs> um i mean i, I wanted to, to you know on not not necessarily talking about like you know songwriting processes or anything like that but i wondered is it something that's always come 
quite naturally to you, like from the point that you started writing songs? Because I think the way that you're, you know, going back to the first, you know, Clue album through to, to this new album, I always feel like there's a real, I don't know if natural is the word, it it, it feels like songwriting is something that must come to you very naturally because you just seem to be really adept to telling these, sto- you know, great stories, great melodies. It feels, there's, there's an an effortlessness I I personally find, you know, it's one of the things I take uh, from from listening to a lot of, of your music. And it kind of is suggestive to me of someone who's, who can kind of like naturally tap in to, uh, to, to their creativity. Mm. I wondered if that's, you know, just completely off the mark or whether it's something that, like I say, from, from the moment you kind of started writing is something you, you, yeah. you've always kind of... Well, when it comes, it comes. I mean, I wrote a song called Black and Blue when I was 16 and I was so knocked out with it. I didn't, not, I didn't write anything else for four years. Yeah. I was so I was so <laughs> flabbergasted. I was just like, um, <laughs> I've always really liked melodic music. I mean, I, you know, I mean, the gigs I went to see as a kid, like you know, I'd go and see The Damned and Motorhead and Hawkwind. Yeah, but you know, it's probably telling that the first gig I went to, I went with my mum and dad and my sister, and we went to see Petula Clark when I was nine. Okay, uh, and then. And I think the first gig I went to, it was just me and my sister, and I was 13 or something. It was Wings. Yeah. Uh, so melody, I think I've been I've been more interested in melody than maybe a lot of the cooler people that have been. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, I think sometimes... I always think, you, you, you know, I mean, there'd be people like the early songs I I, I, I started when I was about nine on the guitar mm. and then we moved house and look at this, this lad next door learned, knew how to tune the guitar. So that was a breakthrough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so that was a, like a really amazing moment because I'd learned all the chords, but it sounded bloody awful. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, then he said, John, you've got to tune the guitar. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so suddenly in this one mo I'd gone from dreadful, but I'd stuck with it to being able to get everything in instantly. It wasn't a gradual process for me. It was like awful, 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 awful. Whoa. <laughs> um, I think the excitement of that moment maybe never left me in a way, you know, it, it was so exciting. Yeah. I mean, to, 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 to suddenly have the, you know, the melodic sound, uh, but also, I remember, you know, even when New Wave and Punk was happening, I was still listening to Gilbert O'Sullivan. Right, okay. You know, and who, who I, you know, just still think, I, I just, nothing rhymed or something. He's, he's just one of the most amazing songs. And mm. um, in fact, the, the one about his, uh, his mum and dad is incredible. Yeah. Uh, but the melody is so strong. I saw a clip of uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan on the Burt Bacharach show back in the 70s. Yeah. So, you know, there's Burt Bacharach, you know, it's like, I'm Burt Bacharach, everyone recognises me, isn't it? Let's face it, everyone thinks I'm the shit. Yeah. And uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan sits down to play. I don't know what it is. I can't remember now. Maybe nothing rhymed. But you can see Bacharach's face. It's kind of like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I'm gonna have to dig that clip uh, out. I'm gonna have to uh, see if I can yeah, find that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that I always had that. You know, I mean, it was people would uh, 
you know, there we, you know, we'd be forming bands when we were 13 and, you know, you know, those bands where all, all of you play guitars, right. <laughs> yeah. like four of you and you're all playing guitars <laughs> and people are, you know, bringing in the learning hookies bass lines from Joy Division or something yeah. like that, you know. <laughs> And I'm going along with all that and the Hawkwind riffs as well and all that. But when I'm going home, I'm playing, I'm playing, you know, your song by Elton John yeah. or something like that. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, the, the first thing that, I mean, we had the White Album all the time when I was a kid mm. and I loved it. In fact, I didn't know the Beatles were a band at this point. It's a, I've told this story a few times, but as a kid, I thought there were millions of them. Right with all the different haircuts and outfits and everything. Yeah. When I was five, I thought there were thousands of Beatles, especially because <laughs> the White Album was on all the time, which was every song was utterly different than the next. Mm. So I just thought there was just loads of them. Yeah. So, um, you know, because you see the pictures of them, you know, in the suits and then the Sergeant Pepper and then the lot. I, I, you know, as a five-year-old, I wasn't recognising them as the same people. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's which is interesting. It's yeah, easy to yeah interesting on the old Paul, Paul is dead theory there. You back up that <laughs> <I mean? laughs> No, it's it's an amazing point that because I think that you know it is easy to overlook sometimes that stuff. I mean, the Beatles obviously is so you know the, you can talk all day about the Beatles, but like it is you know it's not just the amount of music they put out and the kind of musical evolutions that they kind of went through in such a short space of time but there is that that idea that if especially if you're a kid if you're looking at the mm. young beatles and then the kind of mid era beatles and the sergeant pepper's beatles and the white album beatles it is a little yeah. bit like why would you think they're the same people well yeah especially yeah. lennon i mean you just wouldn't recognize him at all yeah. you know um and i didn't and then the eclecticness of the album but i, I suppose the point yeah but it's when black it's when i heard blackbird mm. that i um that's i don't know what i would be six or seven and that's why i was really like i want to do that yeah i want to do i want to be able to do that because i was just mesmerized by it yeah that it's a, it's a completely uh, mesmerizing album isn't it the white album it's uh mm. yeah it, i mean you know yeah as a kid as well as a kid you really are you really hundred percent transported into it into another world. Mm. My dad was chuffed to bits. He had a, got a music center in the mid seventies, so you know, yeah. <laughs> got a music center, man. Yeah. Got the vinyl, yeah. got the original vinyl. It was, it did yeah. sound great. It was a grundig. It was great, amazing. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, I was always more in tune with melody than my cooler mates were um yeah wow amazing and yeah i mean but i could you know could do a whole podcast just on the white album to be honest but um yeah yeah well we could we could yeah. we could start we could start one on that we could start one on that because i've got a I, i've got a beatles story that's by i've sold it a few times on stage yeah so it, I was seeing this girl called Eleanor, and she was Scottish. Mm. And um, there's a song called No Fear of Falling that was on a, a film called Everything's Fine, which is a Robert De Niro film mm. uh, directed by Kirk Jones. And No Fear of Falling was on it. And the only other song on it was a song by McCartney. Mm. And um, they had a screening of it for everyone involved. So not a red carpet thing. Yeah. Uh, just for everyone who was involved in making the film, 
they had a screening of it and drinks, you know, and you say hello. So I went down with Eleanor and, um, and McCartney's there. So uh, Eleanor was, is, you know, wasn't a massive Beatles fan or anything. So it was like, yeah, Paul McCartney, you know, she was dealing with it. Whereas I am actually going, that's Paul McCartney. Yeah. I've got a song in the same film as him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And she's going to me like, well, John, are you going to, you, you know, Paul McCartney with it? Are we going to just, we'll go over together, just say hello, you know? No, no, I'm all right. It's all right. I don't want to. Are you absolutely sure? No, I don't want to. I'll just make a twire myself. It's just, you know, let's just leave it, you know. Yeah. Just that. Don't want it. Don't want it. It's, I, it, I said, I've got a song in, in a Robert De Niro film with Paul McCartney. I'm, I'm chuffed to bits. I'm yeah. chuffed to bits. That'll do for me. And uh, anyway, then he's, and he goes, and then she's like, you know, well, as long as you're, you know, absolutely sure. And of course, you're not going to be a pain in the ass about this later on. <laughs> like, why didn't I say hello to Paul McCartney? Like, no, honestly, Ellen, I'm not going to be a pain in the ass about this tomorrow. Like, why didn't I say hello? I'm not going to. Okay, then. And uh, so, anyway, we stood there and we have another drink. And uh, he's le- so McCartney's leaving, he's putting his coat on. And it's like, I am like thinking, mm, I should have said hello to Paul McCartney, really. At which point, the director of the film, Kirk Jones, comes out and taps him on the shoulder and says, Oh, Paul, before you go, this is John here who wrote the other song. Right. <laughs> so McCartney turns around and starts taking his coat over and comes over. Mm. And um, and uh, at which point my brain is going, McCartney, McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> it was suddenly a bit like, uh, I've met a lot of people, but I was suddenly like, uh. yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it did. I don't know, you know, not, again, you know, I'm not the coolest person on earth, me. But um, <laughs> and so uh, he comes over and I say, hi, hi, hi. He goes, hi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's on that? <laughs> and um, I saw it's my girlfriend, Eleanor. And he goes, oh, Eleanor, yeah. I wrote a song about someone called Eleanor once. <laughs> now, I learned every single Beatles song. That's how I learned to play the guitar. I got yeah. the Beatles complete, along with a load of other stuff. I learned all the songs. So I knew all the chords, all the lyrics and everything. But he goes, oh, yeah, I wrote a song about somebody called Eleanor once. <laughs> and, and in that moment, I'm just going, Eleanor. Eleanor. <laughs> I couldn't think of Eleanor bloody Rigby. And in the gap, Eleanor says, oh, yeah, like I haven't heard that a million times before. <laughs> and cracks him up. And totally, and totally cracks him up. She comes out with an absolute belt. That's brilliant. I've written a song, oh, I've written a song about Eleanor. Right? Yeah. So Erin and McCartney are having a great bloody laugh. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm stood there. I'm stood there. Anyway, that was that. And that was off you went. So that was, you know. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you're glad you got so, to say yeah. hello to him, though. Because you would have regretted it, right? Surely, if if you hadn't, <laughs> I would have. I would have liked to have a conversation with him rather than yeah. my girlfriend having a conversation True. with him. Have a crack with him, yeah, really. Yeah. No, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I um, I can see we're we're uh, almost uh, out of time uh, on this at the moment. But right. um, the um, before we before we finish, I just wanted to ask you. Just if you if you're able to kind of sum up what what this album means to you, you know, because you've, you've written a lot of material in your career, you know, you, you, you've you've written a lot of music. Where does this kind of sit for you, just on like a personal level? Not, I don't mean in terms of like ranking it as like your favorite or your whatever, mm. but just a, mm. a, a kind of a, a more personal level than that. Where does what does this one mean to you? How much of a an accomplishment does this feel to have kind of got through these past seven years? 
the difficulties that you've endured during that and actually get it finished and put out into the world? Um, I think, I think, I'm, I'm re- I think for me, making albums is great. And obviously it's, it's, I mean, it's uh, you're a very lucky person in the world if you get to be able to make records and put them out and things like that. But I am a person who really cares about playing life. Yeah. And I've just, um, this album means to be, I think it's, as I say, we did, we have done a few gigs, but this is like a, a two hour, two hour show now we're doing. And, um, I, I, I think it, 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 I think just to be able to get this album out live and people haven't heard these songs, mm-hmm. they've, they've, they've heard a couple of them and they went down, they went down real well. And I, I, I this is it. It's, um, yeah. 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 So sorry, it's a bit. It's it's not a. It's not a very again. Not a very profound a- answer. But it, for me, it is. I'm, I look forward. I look forward to the rehearsal today mm. because it's great. It's great when when I finish a record. I do tend to go okay because you've heard it a lot, obviously, and you go okay. That's it. And I don't tend to then. I tend to just think about right. How are we doing this live? Sure. And in a way, that becomes the version I get in my head. Yeah. And so that's what I'm looking forward to. Okay. So it means this record, it, um, everything else seems almost like another life, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like a, it does seem like a real fresh start. Not that there was anything wrong with the past, but there comes a point where, yeah, you've got to start, you've got to start afresh. And that's what this is. Yeah. Amazing. Well, like I say, John, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. I've, I've, I've been loving listening to the album. It's been really great talking to you about <laughs> it. And, um, and I'm, I really hope it, you know, and I'm sure it will go down an absolute storm live. Um, so yeah, I, I wish you all the very best of it. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. Yeah, bro. Well, Henry's look at Henry's. Just, <laughs> <laughs> it's a while since I've done an interview. So he's like, yeah. Oh yeah. I remember these now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant well thanks bit... very much for asking me Dan no not at all it's been it's been my pleasure right. thank you so much John cheers mate right I'll see you around I hope thank you yes hope so see you later Headliner Radio supporting the creative community